0: Welcome back to Recovering Faith podcast. Uh, You may hear a little rain in the background and possibly thunder. It's uh, raining right now, and it's been raining a lot lately. And um, it's supposed to rain in eight out of the next ten days. So, uh, yeah, we've had plenty of rain here in the Midwest lately. So, Uh, this is episode sixty-three. And I'm calling this episode "Honor Your Elders." And uh, uh, before I get started, for anyone who is uh, interested, I'd been talking about uh, that I was going to do uh, teach VBS, and uh, well, if you're listening in real time, today is the. Uh, first day of VBS, and I was expecting to have a co-teacher, I was expecting to have the pastor's wife helping me, but she called me yesterday and uh, said that she wasn't going to be able to do it, so um, I might be on my own for this first class. It's a little bit scary, but I'll manage. And tomorrow... I close on my house, partially due to Memorial Day um, being so close that this episode isn't going to be as theologically based as most episodes are, and instead it's going to be more of a story about an older friend that has long since passed. However, there is a biblical mandate to respect and take care of our elders, but again, this is not going to be a theological discussion, just a story. Uh, When I was in Home Group Bible Study Sunday evening, we got to talking about those we lost to wars and how few were still alive who fought in the Great War, and the debt we owe to those who sacrificed to preserve our freedoms. We were talking about a member of the church who was a World War II veteran in the past recently, and I talked about him a little in a few episodes back. Uh, While we were discussing the topic of veterans and, and older people in general, I got to thinking about an elderly man I knew when I was younger who had a big impact on my life, and a big impact on the man that I became. And that is the topic of today's episode. I think it's sad how many people are forgotten in their old age and no one remembers all the good they did and everyone only focuses on how much of a burden they have become. Regardless of how much good a person does in his or her life or how much they help others, everyone gets to the point in their life when they require the assistance of others. And I think we owe it to those who took care of us to return the favor and take care of them. Uh, when they need it and I think all those who uh, took care of others should have the grace and dignity to accept help from others when they need it and not consider themselves a burden. I don't particularly like mowing but right now my mother needs a surgery on her shoulder so uh, I've been mowing the grass at my house and then coming over mowing the grass at my mother's house And uh, even after my mother recovers from her surgery, I will still mow her grass because she's not home a lot and I know she would appreciate it if I didn't let her grass get knee-high while she's gone. Besides, uh, my mother has done so much for me over the years that it's probably the least I can do is to mow her grass. I'm not sure why, but I've always had a heart for older people and I've always tried to help them uh, whenever I can. As a teenager, I worked at a hotel and I would help out the older ladies I worked with and I would often go to lunch with them. When I drove a tour bus, I hold a lot of senior citizens, in part because a few of the other drivers didn't have the patience for them. I never minded having senior passengers and most of the time I had a great time and thought that they were hoot, and I always liked to, to hear their stories. It wasn't planned that way, but there are only two of us under 40 in the small group Bible study that I lead at church, and a lot of those in the group are considerably older than that, and I don't mind at all. I feel blessed to have these older people in my group and to learn from their wisdom and life experience, and I feel even more blessed that they trust me and look up to me with respect as their leader, and I hope and pray that I will do justice to my calling. When I was asked to lead the home group Bible study, it was supposed to be for older singles, uh, which I guess technically everyone in it is single, but uh, when I was asked to lead the, lead the group, Uh, The idea was that there would be a lot of diversity in age, but uh, there are basically just two of us in the group. uh, Well, not just basically, there is only two of us in the group in their 30s, Um, one in their 50s, and the rest of the people are quite a bit older than that. I've always tried to show respect for people, especially for those older than me and that's the way that I was raised. My mother taught me to have respect for people and to address those in authority with respect and to call older people sir or ma'am. I don't care if it's out of fashion or not considered to be politically correct. I will continue to show respect to others, open doors for people, and give up my seat to disabled, uh, to the disabled, to those who are older than I am, and to ladies, especially those who are pregnant or have small children. A lot of the things that were a given when I was a grown up, such as the social or the societal rules for respecting your elders and those in authorities, no longer seem to apply in society today, and that is sad. When I was a teenager, we lived next door to an elderly gentleman who was a World War II veteran, and I became good friends with him despite the significant difference in our ages. Norwood was his name, but he liked everyone to call him Woody. And that's how I shall always refer to him. Well, that and a friend. Whenever anyone would ask Woody where he was from, he would, without fail, say, I'm from by God, West Virginia. He never just said Virginia. It was always by God, West Virginia. Woody would always be a West Virginian, but that is not where I met him. I met Woody near the town of Ash Fork, Arizona, or as Woody called it, Trash Fork. Ash Fork is a small town in northern Arizona, approximately an hour and a half from the south rim of the Grand Canyon. Of course, we didn't live in Ash Fork, we lived out in the sticks, 10 or 15 miles outside of town, where no one had electricity or running water, and everyone had to have solar panels or generators for power and had to haul water in from town. The water was so deep in the ground that most people could not afford to pay to have a well drilled it that deep, and the area was so far away from the power grid that no one could afford to pay to have power run out to the area, even if everyone share the cost. The power company charged over $500 per, po- uh, per pole that they had to place. per pole isn't that much when you need two or three poles, but when you are more than 10 miles from the closest power line that runs into some serious money. People in the area didn't have money and most of them lived in trailer houses and drove cars that were well past their life expectancy. Whenever my family went to town to get water, or groceries, I would always make sure that I helped Woody get water for his place as well. And sometimes I drove into town just to get water for his place. A few of the neighbors were originally super nice to Woody because they thought he was rich and only lived out there by himself because he was eccentric, but as soon as they found out that he was living on a fixed income, they were no longer interested. During his many years on earth, Woody had been married six times and three of those marriages ended in divorce and three left him as a widower. Woody always joked and said that three of his wives had divorced him to get away from him and the other three died to get away from him. Actually, Woody wasn't always joking when he said that. Sometimes he actually believed it. I honestly have no idea if it were actually true, and I have no, way, uh, no sure way of finding out, but I always told Woody that the three wives he had who died loved him, and they didn't want to leave him. I don't know if Woody believed me or not, but it did make him feel better, at least for a few minutes. Woody was extremely set in his ways, and was, without a doubt, an alcoholic. But he was a good man, and I learned a lot from him. Woody wasn't overly fond of my father, and in fact he couldn't stand him. Woody always said that he was glad that I didn't turn out like my father, and he would often ask my mother why she stuck with the man who treated her and her children so poorly. The answer to that question is uh, is a subject for another time. Some of my fondest memories with Woody were when I was acting as his designated driver which is something I did often. The first time I was Woody's designated driver was before I had my driver's license, but I thought that the situation warranted it. I had ridden into town with Woody to run an errand, and while we were in town, he stopped by the local VFW, which is a veteran of foreign wars, and he got plastered. And I decided that both of us would be much safer if I drove. I knew there was a slight risk of getting pulled over and getting a ticket for driving without a license, but that was uh, much better than risking both of our lives by allowing Woody to drive. Besides, if we survived the ride with Woody driving and had gotten pulled over, he would have gone to jail. Both of us agreed that it was much better to have me drive. After I got my driver's license a week or two later, it was almost a daily occurrence for me to drive Woody to town so he could spend some time at the VFW and get a few drinks. And neither of us were very good at it, but we often played pole. I wasn't really supposed to be in the VFW due to my age, but they made an exception since I was Woody's driver and since I never tried to get alcohol and I never caused even the slightest amount of trouble. I had a job, but I worked early mornings, so I was always off work by the time Woody wanted to go into town. The ladies who worked at the VFW always gave me free soda and occasionally free food. And when they didn't give me food, Woody bought it for me. Sometimes I would get bored and fall asleep, and when it was time to close, one of the ladies would wake me up and say, It's time to take your grandpa home. I would walk over and gently take Woody's arm and say, Come on, Grandpa, let me take you home. Neither of us ever told the ladies at the VFW that we were not actually related, as doing so would have served no purpose, and neither of us minded having people think we were related. Honestly, I always thought of Woody as my grandfather, and he thought of me as his grandson, and he even, or he always referred to my mother as his daughter. I didn't just take Woody home. I also made sure that he made it to bed, and that his dog and cat were fed, and that they had water. I can't remember if I ever told Woody that I loved him, but even if I didn't, I'm sure that my actions told him as much. I'm not trying to justify Woody's alcoholism, and alcoholism is a bad thing, but I think the main reason he was always drinking is because he was so sad all the time. Partially because he lived so far away from his daughters and his grandchildren that he almost never saw them. And he only had one real friend, another World War II veteran who he had served with during the war. Woody's war buddy lived in the central part of the state, several hours away, so he didn't see him often. Woody was never violent or rude when he drank, just sad. And he would talk endlessly about the war and his wives who had either left him or died. I wish I had recorded or written down some of Woody's stories so that they could be preserved, but as a teen I enjoyed listening to the stories but never thought about preserving them. I was a lot more mature than most teens my age, but I was still not too forward-thinking. One of the girls I worked with at the time couldn't understand why I willingly spent so much time with someone so much older than I was and she said that she would rather go deaf than hear the stories old people tell. That girl didn't think anything old had any value including people and she thought that everything old should be gotten rid of and replaced with something new. What a horrible way to think. I've always loved and respected old people and I've learned a lot from them. I think that while it is important to have friends your own age, it is also important to have friends who are on the other side of the spectrum of life. We younger people can learn a lot from the older people, and they can learn a lot from us, and we can edify each other. I also think old material things are often immensely valuable as well, and that they have a lot of character. And my house is almost 120 years old. Southwest Missouri sure looks a lot different than it did 120 years ago. A lot of people uh, tried to take advantage of Woody and thought that he was only good for his money, what little of it he had. But I never asked Woody for anything uh, uh, beyond buying me lunch or dinner in exchange for giving up several hours of my time to drive him around. Whenever I drove Woody to town, if I knew he wanted to drink, I insisted on using his car so just in case he puked. In addition to driving Woody to town, I also did a lot of work around his house for him, free of charge. Or at least I tried to do it free of charge. Most of the time I couldn't get by with doing the work for Woody for free because even though I insisted that he didn't owe me anything, he wanted to pay me and said that an honest job deserved an honest wage, and he said that I always did a good job for him. Woody also was a firm believer that a person should make themselves useful and should work for what they have so that they wouldn't be an undue burden on others. And he always said that no one owes you anything that you didn't earn. My father always said horrible things about me and he was always trying to get me to think poorly of myself, but Woody always told me that I was smart and talented and it made me feel a lot better about myself. Woody often had more faith in me and more respect for me than I had for myself. Woody was the type of man who always said truthfully what was on his mind, even if it was not what you wanted to hear. And that is why his kind and encouraging words and his praise meant so much to me. No amount of alcohol ever caused Woody to lose his integrity, and there is a lot to be said for that. I've always thought that integrity was one of the most important qualities a a person could possess. If I ever said or did anything that was not quite right, Woody was as quick to call me out on it as he was to praise me when I had done well. Woody didn't praise me if I didn't deserve it, and whenever he corrected me he did so in a kind and loving way. I strongly believe that whenever you give anyone praise that they didn't earn, It does them and society at large a disservice. It's also harmful to give unwarranted criticism, and when criticism is warranted, it should be constructive, not destructive. One of the main reasons Woody meant so much to me is that he was the first adult male who ever loved me, and the first man who didn't let me down, berate me, or try to abuse me in any way, shape, or form. With the notable exception of Woody, every man I had ever known in my life up to that point had been mean to me, and almost everything they ever said to me was a lie. I guess it makes sense that since my father was mean and untrustworthy, that those he surrounded himself would be as well. Birds of a feather truly do flock together. There were a lot of people who didn't like Woody, because he was old and frail, needed help, was a bit grumpy and ornery, and uh, especially when he wasn't feeling well. And he always said what was on his mind, but I adored him, even when he was cantankerous, obnoxious, or needy. When I knew Woody, he was in his 90s, and a lot of people that age are forgetful and have the same conversations over and over in a short amount of time and my grandmother is certainly that way. But Woody was sharp and focused up to the day he died. Perhaps that's another reason why he drank so much, because it was the only way he could forget some of the many tragedies in his long life. Woody was a Christian, but he never went to church so long as I knew him. But he did talk about God in the Bible a lot, and he often worried that some of the things that he had been required to do during the war had cost him his salvation. But I don't think so. I know we're not saved by our good works, but Woody did a lot of good in his life. But I believe that Woody's unwavering faith in Jesus saved him, regardless of his shortcomings. Woody was a bit of a troublemaker when he was a kid, and since his parents were devout Pentecostals, it often got him into trouble. One time when Woody was a child, his parents had a couple of Pentecostal pastors over for dinner, and a few weeks earlier, Woody had taken the cork out of the barrels of grape juice his parents had so that it would ferment. When the pastor realized that the grape juice had fermented into wine, one of the pastors said to the other, I'll drink it if you will. When the pastors went ahead and drank the fermented grape juice, Woody's mother lit him up with a switch after the fact because she feared that he had caused the pastors a sin. You see, Pentecostals are teetotalers. Because of his upbringing, when Woody went into the military, the other soldiers rode on the side of his assigned airplane, the Deacon's Holy Roller Special. Of course, they also painted teeth on the front of the airplane. In today's military, if a soldier took it upon himself to paint an aircraft, he would probably be court-martialed, but things were different back then. On one of Woody's missions, he managed to land his plane even though it was not technically capable of landing, basically coming in on a wing and a prayer. Woody always said he knew God had spared him for some special purpose, but he felt that he was probably wasting the gift God had given him and was missing out on the mission that God had given him. I, for one, think that if I had been the only person who Woody was able to help in his entire life, then his life was worth it. But I know Woody helped many people throughout his life. I saw Woody give food away to other people in the community on several occasions. And uh, he once let a homeless drifter stay with him, and all he got for his trouble was to be robbed blind. Woody was understandably angry at the betrayal, but still wound up praying for the man, and in a good way. Woody wasn't the type of person to pray for harm to come to someone, and instead he prayed for their safety and salvation. Woody might have doubted, or at least refused to follow, some of the tenets of his childhood faith such as the prohibition on alcohol, but he never doubted the Bible or God, and he often asked me to pray with him and I am certain he prayed for me and my family, despite the fact that he never told me that he did. I wasn't living in Arizona when Woody passed away, and sadly, I wasn't able to go to his funeral. But I was pleased to hear that he was given a military funeral, and that his daughters attended the service. When I was younger, I knew a lot of people who served in the military during World War II, but now all of those who I knew are dead, the last of which died this year. My grandfather served in the war, and he died last summer, partially because the example of those I knew who served in the armed forces, but mostly because of my patriotism. I have always felt that it was my duty to serve, uh, to serve my country in the armed forces, and when I was younger I joined the U.S. Navy. but My career was short-lived because, as it turns out, I am a sleepwalker, and that was an immediate disqualification from serving in the Navy, and I was given a medical discharge. For the longest time, I felt a profound sense of shame and failure for not being able to serve my country, and I felt like I had failed those who had served before me. But now I accept the fact that it was not my fault, and that it does not reflect poorly on my character, and does not diminish my patriotism. I will always be grateful to those who have served in the military, and I will do my best to honor their sacrifice, but I also feel blessed to have... Older adults in my life and in my circle of friends, even if they are not veterans, because there is so much value to be gained from their experience, and I love to help them and to do what I can for them. And most of all, I like to be their friends with no strings attached. Thanks for listening to uh, another episode of Recovering Faith Podcast. And um, it's a subject to change, but I am planning on having next episode be another episode on my time in the uh, LDS church. And I plan on talking about uh, some of the nuances that you find in singles wards. And uh, so, yeah, tune in next time. And uh, until then, have a great week. And God bless you. Thanks for listening to the Recovering Faith Podcast. Please rate and review this show and share it with your friends and family. You are loved.